are listening to the Grand Central Sports Podcast, covering New York sports and beyond. Welcome, everybody, to the second edition of Grand Central Sports Podcast. I'm Andrew Van Cura alongside Ricky Valerio and Gavin O'Grady. How are we doing tonight, boys? Doing good. I'm, doing good. Yeah, doing great. I'm excited to get this going. So this is our midweek edition of Grand Central Sports. This is primarily focused on basketball and hockey. So let's start it off in MSG with our New York Knicks. Playing the Bucks tonight, what do we think of the game? This was this was tough, man. I mean, they, they got outplayed almost the whole game. You know, like it was it wasn't a good game from the start. The uh the starters combined that not named Julius Randle combined for 16 points. Julius had 16 himself. I mean, props to the bench, though. The bench put up almost 70 points, you know, big games out of rows quickly. But, dude, the, the, the bench played the last 12 minutes, last 14 minutes of the game. You know, the starters came out with two minutes left in the third. Tips put them in, and they played the whole fourth quarter. They had to be tired, but, like, they, they gave us a shot. We were down, I think, 24 or 22 at some point tonight, and, and the bench was electric, man. I mean, just lighten it up from three. You know, D. Rose – was six of eight from three. Burks was four, seven. IQ two of five. And I got to give big props to IQ too. First five game, uh, first eight games of the season, he was only averaging like five points. He was shooting almost 20% from three. These last four games, he's been lighting it up. You know, he's averaging over 12 a game, almost shooting 50% from deep. I, I love this kid. You know, I was worried the way he started because last year I knew he was, you know, just an instant spark and everybody was like, oh, you know, forget OB top and we got Emmanuel quickly. But, um, I think it's a good sign that he's been playing, you know, he's been playing better. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, do the New York Knicks have a problem? I mean, they are two and five now at Madison Square Garden. Does that make you worried two, at all? Two and four, two and four, but 100%. or two and four, two and I mean, four. I, with I agree. You, you, you know, you, you call it the Mecca of basketball. How are you going to, how are you going to do that when you're two and four at home, but you're five and one on the road, you know? And I just, love and I love that they're being, you know, road warriors on the road and they're competing and they're winning. But when you come home, that's that's where you're supposed to, you know, play your best. You're in New York City. Um, yeah, you got probably, probably for basketball, the most electric crowd. I, I, I'm going to go on record and say that. Um, I mean, if you were watching this game, the, the, the crowd, I mean, with the backups yeah. and with the bench, in, it was going absolutely nuts with these guys. It was going speaking, off. I mean, speaking of the bench, I'd like to build on something with this question. Do the Knicks potentially have the deepest roster in the league? I'm not saying the best, but in terms of deepest, just in terms of the most interchangeable parts. Considering that they had their bench, obviously without Middleton, but they had their bench go up against the defending NBA champs from a 20-plus point deficit to bring it within one before, obviously, they kind of just ran out of gas. I, I, I think there's no doubt. I mean, you had four guys on the bench scoring at least 14 or more. And, you know, take out Taj, who had a great game, nine, uh, nine boards. I think he had a couple big blocks, too. You know, didn't score, but it, he doesn't have to score when you got the other guys putting up 15, you know. I mean, it's definitely great to see a, uh, a functional bench because that come, like, playoff time, that could be huge, having a bench that can keep up and keep you in the game or even give you an edge. If your bench is better than the other teams, then you can steal some a lot of a lead from that. The only thing is I feel like this game is kind of a perfect resemblance of NBA basketball. You know, you have one team who by the book looks like they've assembled a well-balanced roster. They got plenty of depth. Then the other team has clearly the best player either on either both teams. He wasn't really as, as dominant as usual tonight, but he was still good. Right. And a patchwork of reasonable depth around him, and that team wins. I feel like that's kind of just like the perfect analogy of the NBA in general. I mean, when you're yeah, but when uh when the opposing team's gonna almost break the record for most threes in a game, putting up twenty six and also shooting fifty percent from deep, it they, they had no defense. They couldn't defend the three. I you know I was watching the game and Clyde was mentioning you know this was the best team in the league defending the three last year, and now it's just like like. Every time I feel like there's going to be somebody open for a three, like it's just drive and kick, drive and kick. The Knicks help, and boom, somebody's open in the corner. Like every time, they they got to figure something out with that. You you cannot give be giving up twenty six three pointers a game, not a that's game, but con- twenty six in a game. That's my concern. This is a Tom Thibodeau team, and they're struggling on defense. Like that, exactly, that bothers me. I don't know why. It's almost become like an offense first type of team where this this team they're they're it's like if they don't put up forty threes, it's like. 
you know, yeah. that's like their game plan. It's like, why is that your game plan? This was never a Tibbs type of offense with just chucking threes all game. It's kind of funny, though, because if you look at the Knicks, who is really a defensive player? Like, I know Thibodeau's scheme is pretty good, and it's more of an effort-based defense. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Knicks, it's, outside of, like, maybe Mitch Robb and – R.J. Barrett Rob, is – is R.J. Barrett's been RJ pretty Barrett's solid probably, on the clamps. but a pretty solid I, defender. But outside of that, I mean, you got Kemba, who's always kind of been a defensive liability as a one. Mm-hmm. You got guys like – I mean, Fournier is an okay defender. He's never been viewed as a great one. IQ isn't much of a defender. Rose has never been a great one. Um, right. I think I think it's more just Randall. like a collective group. You know, I think it was just them playing more so as a team. I think that they all just came together and were able to, you know, the help defense, it, it's it's like they all just want to crash and guard that guy that's driving. But then it's like, oh wait, I forgot about the guy that I'm leaving wide open to just hit a three and just okay. kill the run. Moving away from today's game, the Knicks take on the Charlotte Hornets this Friday night at 7 o'clock. Um, obviously, you find that on MSG. But what do we think of Friday now going into Charlotte, playing a team led by LaMelo, Wall, uh, LaMelo Ball? Excuse me. That's so funny. <laughs> LaMelo Ball. Um, and it looks like this team is much improved. Um, and they're going to be a playoff team, I think. I think this team can, is a realistic fit-in for a bottom for the bottom of the Eastern Conference, the Hornets. What are the Knicks going to have to do to make sure they come out on top on the road and make the road record six and one on the year? You know, you are we? Did, you know, tonight was kind of a stinker. Yeah, we should we I right we shouldn't so be expecting a, letdown, a stinker. Yeah, let's not let's not get Charlotte. down about it. Let's not get down about it though either. I just want to throw yeah. out. The Knicks are 2-0 against Philly. That was a big win Monday night. Just wanted to throw that out there after losing 15 straight for like four years or whatever. But we can move on to Charlotte. I yeah. just wanted to get that out of the way that Moving on we to, are uh, 2-0 against the crappy Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, my God. Moving on to Charlotte. Um, to answer your question, Gavin, I expect an offensive shootout Friday. You know, two teams that score a lot of points. Um, I think it's going to be really uh, – taking care of the ball, limiting turnovers, and making just a few extra defensive stops, I think is probably going to be the key difference maker. And obviously it's the Hornets, so slowing down LaMelo. There's nothing really else you can say on that. Uh, I don't I don't think it's all LaMelo. I mean, you got to look out for Miles Bridges. He's averaging over 20 points a game. He's actually leading the Hornets. But um, Is P.J. Washington still doing his thing uh, in Charlotte is, or no? He's out currently, I believe. He's out, yeah. I don't know how many games he's missed. Is Hayward he playing played? or is he still out? Let's take a look. But um, I know the Hornets are on a five-game losing streak. It looks like they are going to win tonight, though, against, against the Grizzlies. Memphis, yeah. yeah. Gordon Hayward is playing. He's put up 21. And it looks like P.J. Washington is not back, so I guess Holy Jesus, Kelly Oubre has 40 points. Yep, he's going off. So um, we will find out more about P.J. Washington, though, on Friday night. I don't really know what that's looking like. But I think this is a dangerous, a dangerous Hornets team. Yeah, they're going to be six and seven after tonight, so not like a crazy good record. But you know, they've had a stretch where they've played some pretty competitive teams. You know, the Cavs have been good, the Warriors are good, Clippers, Lakers. You know, so they've had a tough schedule. But I think the Knicks really got to do something about this defense. I, I mean, they, they no, go ahead, Rick. I'm just going to say they're they're not going to be winning games if they're going to be letting their opponents shoot fifty percent from three and. It's not like it's contested threes. It, it's like it's wide open. Agreed. I think the bit, one of the big thing with the uh, Hornets is you have to take advantage in the front court. You know, Bridges, I mean, Bridges is playing well, but he is at the end of the day an undersized four. Is he still playing the four or is he playing more three? Um, I think with Hayward, it's kind of just like – A rotation type thing? Yeah, kind of just but like I think whoever is there. At least of. offensively especially on the glass, somebody like Mitchell Robinson can look for a big game against a team like Charlotte, who I think their starting center is Mason Plumley. Yeah, it is. So I mean, that's, that's where you got to take advantage down low. No, I agree. All right, I think we should move on for the Knicks. And uh, let's actually – so we are going to be talking about today um, the Brooklyn Nets as well. This is an all-New York sports podcast. Of course. Um, so Brooklyn is included too. Um and we're going to get this started on Brooklyn. 
So Brooklyn actually did defeat the Orlando Magic tonight um, by a Russia. pretty – yeah, they killed them. Um, Katie, another great game. Um, but before that, they were on a, a little bit of a hot tear here, and Chicago absolutely blew them out of the water to end the streak. Chicago's a great team this year, um, and there's really nothing you could do about that. When you, when you go for that long and – you know, are winning that, that often it has to come to an end at some point. So um, I think the the thing though, with the nets and what I've been seeing just on social media, kind of with their fans and just the team itself, James Harden is having a, a tough time. Yeah, he really is um, getting to the line about half as much, you know, as his career average in, in other spots, he's a consistent 25 point per game guy. He's averaging around 18.2 points per game to start the year. He's still, it's still early, obviously, you know, we're picking at these things, but he's shooting under 40%. And this is James Harden. We're talking about this isn't, you know, some random scrub or rotational guy, you know, what guys, what's going on with Harden? Should we be worried about him? What, what's up? You know, I, mean, I, I think a main thing, obviously with the whole uh, getting to the line thing, that's the, the rule change mainly. Um, hopefully he just, evolves and gets a little bit more efficient from the field starts taking better shots maybe passing a little bit more getting his assist numbers up i wouldn't be too worried you know i'm we all know i'm just gonna say he is averaging almost double digit assists i just wanted to point that out after having a triple double tonight he's averaging almost nine assists per game so i was gonna say it's it's you know his assists are there he's rebounding it's just his scoring is just not there and i and i think that's just him forcing and it's just yeah. Kevin Durant is just one of the best players in the NBA and he's going to take all the shots he wants. I have a question though, when it comes to Harden, do we think that a part of this non-scoring thing, is it because Mike D'Antoni is no longer there? Is it because it's just Steve Nash now? I don't know if I would, if I would chalk that up to coaching. I mean, I, I honestly, I'm going to give it a big part to the whole, you know, no call free throw thing. I mean, this is a guy that used to get to the line over 10 times a game on average. And now he's looking at four to five free throw attempts per game. And not only are his free throws being cut short, but think about all the times he's trying to draw that contact and he's just not getting it. So he's chucking up an awful shot and, and the refs are just like, okay, too bad for you. That that's a bad shot. There's no foul there. So now his shooting numbers are down. He's not getting to the line. His, his scoring is down. And it, I think it just it's going to hurt the Nets a little. Obviously, this is, you know, Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the NBA. I, I think you can argue he is the best player in the NBA. Do we so want to I go into think... that? Is that our tangent <laughs> we want to go on to? Uh, uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's something for later. But I don't think it's like, you know, that big of a deal that his numbers are down because he's still getting – I was watching a little bit of the game tonight, and, I mean, some of his passes are still, like, ridiculous. You know, he's oh, – yeah. He's spreading the ball. He's rebounding too. I mean, this is a this is a guy shooting guard. He's getting eight rebounds a game. You know. Well, without Kyrie, I think he's taken on more of the point guard role. And yeah, I mean, he 100%. was doing that. He was doing that last year, I think. Harden really. He might be. He's always been. He's been listed as a two for a while, but he's always played like more of a one. I mean, didn't they have that? Uh, they had that debate. Um, Harden and Kyrie. First they were like joking or, about no, it. Yeah, Kyrie, or, no, no, no. Yeah. When they when the when the trade happened, they were like, you know who's our point guard, like who's going to bring it up, who's going to get the assist. And obviously I think it's clear, you know, it's, it's hard. And Kyrie, hard, Kyrie's, yeah. Kyrie's, you know, like a, an ISO type of guy. I mean, he can still, you yeah, know, spread the ball and whatnot. Isolation he, right now, so. <laughs> yeah, very good point. He's really doing his job, right? Oh, my God. So the, Net, so the Nets, believe it or not, I don't know if you guys know this, the Nets are playing the New Orleans Pelicans this Friday night. And what a tough matchup. Let me tell you something. The New Orleans Pelicans, for those who do not really follow basketball or are not looking at like at the New Orleans Pelicans, they are one and ten to start are, the year. They are horrible. one and ten. They are horrible. And after that, the Nets return home to face the Oklahoma City Thunder, a young developing team. Obviously, they still have you know SGA. Um, and other, and other, you know, developing weapons. I, I think SGA is going to be a superstar. But these next two games, the Brooklyn Nets have to take care of business, and that's the only that, – and, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Absolutely. The Brooklyn Nets, right, they're a top three team in the Eastern Conference. They should – New Orleans should, should get wiped off the map. Absolutely. You know, 
Hurricane Harding's even... coming through. <laughs> I don't yeah. even think it's about an if. I think it's kind of just like we know it's going to have to happen. I think all the, you know, the Nets know it's going to have to happen. Like, but it could be, you know, sort of like a trap game. You know, they, you know, the Nets could be overlooking it. You know, the one in 10 really crappy Pelicans. But um, I could easily you know, see one of their know, starters getting rested, too. Do we know if they're getting Brandon Ingram back at all? Doesn't or Josh matter. Hart, even? Doesn't matter. I mean, Brandon Ingram's their top <laughs> scorer. Have they had him all year? I feel like I feel like Brandon Ingram really hasn't played much. I mean, it's Ingram. definitely true, but one in ten. I mean, God, you, I mean that's you no have Zion. To win. Yeah, that's no Zion. You have to win ball games at some point. One in ten. Um, so this is a stretch for the Nets where they should probably be winning. I mean, they had the Magic tonight. They won. They took care of business. Killed them. Absolutely. New Orleans, they should do the same exact thing. And Oklahoma City, truthfully, they should do the same exact thing too. I think Oklahoma City is the toughest of the three games, actually. And I still think the Nets should beat them by a significant margin. And and that's just how it, how it's got to be if they want to play consistent like they've been playing, you know, the last over probably, what, week and a half now? Yeah. Uh, the Nets have been really turn, turning on since their slow start to the year. Yeah, they've won. Um, I mean, they've won six out of their last seven. This could easily become – Eight out of their last nine, which yeah. it, it should. By by no doubt, it should. It absolutely should. And I don't even know if these guys now need to be playing their best to beat these teams. But I I hope at, for the for the Nets fan base for their sake that um, everything starts falling back into place now. And let, let's just talk about this to get this out of the way because I think we talked about it on the podcast. Um, and that it, Kyrie Irving. Will he return at all for the year? We don't need to get into the, the whole, you know, thing about the vaccine or whatever. But do you guys think he comes back? Do you think he sticks to his convictions here? What do, you, what do we think about that? Just for a little bit of that, a little, you know, little discussion about that. Kyrie, never underestimate um, the lengths Kyrie will go to just make himself the center of the universe. This dude, this isn't the first time he's had some issue like this. This is the same guy who's threatened retirement like three times in the last like two years. This, will he return? If I were, I, I honestly don't know. Man, I if I were a betting man, I, w- I would put my money on that Kyrie Irving will maintain, will refuse to get vaccinated and he will only return if. Isn't there like a new governor or something? I don't really pay attention. A new mayor, yeah, Eric Adams. Adams. New mayor, Eric Adams, yeah. But here's the thing, though. I don't know if you guys have heard. Eric Adams, so Eric Adams is the mayor-elect of New York City. So Mayor de Blasio, his term finishes up in January, and then a new mayor comes in, and mayor, now it's going to be Eric Adams, is the new mayor of New York City. He has already stated that he will not be changing the vaccine rules in New York city in terms of entering arenas, entering restaurants for now. So, so it's no difference. There's no bailout. There's no bailout card here for Kyrie. He will be out for home net home games. That is what I'm getting at. I'm going to go now. Well, not only net home games, but net games, because the Nets organization have said, if you're not going to be here for home games, you're not going to be here at all. Yeah. They basically said all in all out. Yes. So I will, that's why I would say, depending upon what the mayor decides to do, which, as you said, it looks like he's keeping it the way it is. I don't think Kyrie Irving returns. I think Kyrie Irving is one of those types of people. He is very firm on his grounds and his views. I do not think he's going to get vaccinated, and I do not think he'll be playing for the Nets unless something drastic changes. I personally agree. I, that's all I want. I just want to hear your thoughts on it. I personally agree. I don't think he, so, I don't think he returns. Just I think a tangent with that. Year. Just a tangent with that. Just so we can say we talked about it. Is the Kyrie for Simmons swap a possibility? Absolutely not. I, I, listen, I, Kyrie, yes, he makes it all about himself and for other things. He's done it before or whatever. But Ben Simmons, I really don't like him as a basketball player. I don't think he's, I don't even think he's a good person either. Um, I'm just going to say it. Simmons, I just don't think. I don't think th- I don't think anyone wants him either. Too, I really don't the, think anyone yeah. wants him after what mm-hmm. he's put Philadelphia through. He's caused such tor- turmoil in that city, and that's a tough that's a tough city to to, to really city to, play in, to yeah. stir up stuff like that. When you're when you're a star basketball player for the 76ers, I, like he was, he was playing well. Yes, he's he's not the best shooter, but yes, he is a he's a very good. 
He's a star That's caliber what, player. Yes, yeah. he's a star caliber player. When you're in Philly, you are usually loved like like a god there, like Joel Embiid is, like Allen Iverson was, you know, like or other you, players of the past. Or you and, get the Donovan McNabb treatment. Yes, and and that's what it's kind of turned into. Um, the fans really don't want him back, and I don't think you see that as as an, as an, another fan base. And you hear these rumors swirling. I don't want the guy. I want him to stay. Just let you know if he doesn't want to play basketball, he doesn't want to play basketball. I don't know. I mean, I blame, this, this, I blame that whole thing six, more on the Sixers organization than him. I think they just waited too long to trade him, and now they're stuck. They, yeah, now they're stuck. because They should have traded him much earlier because now they, they had, him in the offseason. Now, yeah. now he has no – I don't even know, like, what he would get, like, what he would have for what he could, potentially could have gotten last year, the year before that. might get that, Marvin Bagley now. <laughs> that, might be, that might be the best you get. Marvin Bagley might be the best thing you get. Yeah, as the Nets, I mean, do you do you really want Ben Simmons for Irving? I mean, look, do you want to make that would, trade? He would add a great defensive presence that's kind of lacking on the Nets. You could you could take Simmons yeah. in, in the playoffs. This would be a move designed to attack Giannis. If you think, wait, about are it. you talking about the same playoff Simmons that put up about four points a game? Not his offense. Not his offense. Life. Doesn't matter. Okay. Okay, I was just – I thought that's be, what I heard. This would be a just... purely defensive move because right now, if you take that Nets lineup and you add Ben Simmons and just throw him on Giannis, because you're going to probably see the Bucs at some point in the Eastern playoffs. Or the Knicks, you know, when they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> but keep going. Just throw Ben Simmons on Giannis and let the rest of the team go to work. I, I think that would be just – I think just that would work. And then you can just have Ben distribute. Just have him be Draymond. Have him you do see it. what Draymond. Does. And you'd be willing to give up a player like Kyrie Irving to for a person of that role. I I just don't get that. You know, I just yeah, I just can't see it. You you know, I think Kyrie Irving is such a better player than Ben Simmons. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And you're, oh, no one's disputing that. Yeah, right. But you're giving up a guy. I don't even know what to call Kyrie Irving. I don't even want to call him a head case. It it it's just. He's had so many different issues on and off the court. But, I mean, do you want a guy like Ben Simmons who's also had issues on and off the court? I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a clean swap. I don't even think it's worth it to to do that. You're just you're just trading drama for drama, in my opinion. But, you know, Ben Simmons in a new location could help him out. You know, he probably would be happier with the trade. But still, I don't want somebody like that in my locker room to begin with. I agree. Hi, everybody. So we are going to be switching gears now to hockey, um, which is my favorite sport. Uh, Andrew loves it, too. Ricky loves it, too. But Ricky, you know, obviously you your thing. I know your thing is basketball. So uh, we've arrived at hockey now. Yeah. I'm a little bandwagon Rangers fan. Don't worry. I'm getting my uh, I'm getting my Adam Fox and Igor jerseys in the. Yeah. So with that being said, we're going to we'll start. We'll start with uh, the New York Rangers. And man, uh, what a start to the year so far for New York. Uh, seven, three, and three on the season, seven wins, three losses in regulation, and then three overtime losses. Um, and truthfully, that record could be a lot better. They have two games where uh, they've blown third period leads yeah. with and being up two or more goals. They did it against uh, Vancouver and they did it against um, Edmonton. Andrew, Edmonton, yeah. So. This Rangers team, well, I mean, I, I like the start so far. I definitely think um, there's definitely some criticisms early that I have of the team, uh, offensively yeah. especially, with both uh, the kind of the stars really not being there early on with Zibanejad and, and Panera and guys like that in terms of goal scoring. Now, these guys yeah. help, around, help out around the ice quite often, obviously with assists and Panarin, I making think specifically, the yeah. With the I 100% game. agree. The- I mean, Panarin's always been more of a pass first guy. It's just kind oh, of yeah. how he always has been. And oh, you know yeah. what? As long as he's as he's as long as he's setting up for the other guys, I don't care. That that's fine. But Mika, you were just given a massive extension. His job is to score. Oh, hundred percent. His job is to score. And you know, I, I if think I see he, him. If yeah. I see him whiff on one more shot on a power play, I'm going to lose my mind. This he's, guy whiffs on the power play more than anyone I've ever seen. I just think. I just think. He, I just think you have to realize too. Um, I'll, Ricky, I'll, I'll let you talk after this one point here. I think that Zabanejad, I think you could still bank on him being pretty much, even with this slow start, probably close to a 40-goal score. 
he yeah, he has so many opportunities throughout the game. Even just the the not not even when you think there's an opportunity there with his rush up the ice, he'll he'll cut to the right and fire one. Like yep. he is so dangerous offensively. Just just to kind of tack on that, Ricky, you know, go ahead. I was gonna say when you when you brought up the power play, it was I was just gonna speak about just the absolute menace that Chris Kreider. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy's stepping up like it's insane. But if you take away Chris Carter, I, I mean, you can, you know, you obviously Zibanejad is your biggest, should be your biggest goal scorer. But it's like, it's not like it's just him. Like, really, nobody else has really stepped up other than Chris Carter, obviously, who literally has more than double the goals of anybody else on the team, you know. But um, I noticed that one of you pointed out earlier, not in the podcast, just, you know, just talking. It's like the younger guys. It's like, Lafreniere's had, you know, only a couple goals. He had one big goal, or at least two, I remember watching. But, you know, I know Kako was hurt a little bit, but he hasn't even scored this year yet, you know? So it's like, is like, yeah. you know, a topic is like, are these young guys, yes, they're very young, but is that like something to be concerned about with this team? Like, and like these young guys absolutely. are supposed to be big, high draft picks, one and two overall. Like, these guys are supposed to be immediate impacts. And like, what have they done for you? I'm going to be honest. I think Andrew and I are actually going to disagree on this. I don't think there's a concern yet. Um, okay, that's fair. I just don't think that some of the other guys throughout the league, for example, in Ottawa, they got um, Stutzel. They have yep. Tim Stutzel, um, um, Josh Kachuk. Norris. They have Kachuk. They have these other young guys. Detroit Red Wings now with Lucas Raymond. Um Moritz Sider, the young defenseman, they're given a chance. They're giving these young guys a chance to play top minutes. And this really hasn't been the case for Lafreniere or Kako so far. Kako's been hurt to start, first of all. But Lafreniere on the second line. Lafreniere is on the third line right now. And was and really he was supposed to be on the second line to start the season, but he had to be moved down just because the fact that listen, guy, he has to he has to play for a spot. Is is in the eyes of the coach, he has yeah. to play for a spot. And he hasn't been doing as good of a job as some of the other guys have been doing, thus him being a winger on the third line. And that's what it is. He hasn't been given that opportunity yet, or he hasn't earned that opportunity yet to where some of these other guys on other teams, Otto, like I said, Otto and Detroit, those guys, they have. So I don't think there's, it, there's necessarily time like, oh, he's not. People keep in mind, he's our age, dude. He's 20 years old. This kid's 19, or even younger. I think he's 19. He's 19, yeah. Yeah, Kako's 20. Like, these guys are so young that I really just don't think that we should be – I this is why the Rangers fan base sometimes drives me crazy. Um, I don't think they should be, you know, mailing it in already on these guys. They're good players. They are they were drafted that high for a reason. I just think let's pump the brakes a little bit. Kako had a beautiful pass the other night that yeah, was yeah. Taken, away, taken away the other night because uh, Panarin scored. It was, good. It, was re- it was reviewed. And it was overturned for goalie interference. That would have been his first point of the year for Kako. The guy is great in his own. He, he protects the puck well. And there's other things that maybe don't appear on the score sheet, but he, he does do well. And same goes to Lafreniere. And he and Lafreniere has appeared on the score sheet a little bit more than Kako to start the year. But I to answer that question, let's pump the brakes, Rangers fans. Please, please <laughs> save it for Twitter. I don't want to hear it. All right, let me get, uh, let me get my five cents in here. Or two cents. Is it two cents? What's the expression? It's two, two cents. cents. It's two cents? Okay, let me get my two cents in here. I love Alexi. Uh, I love Lafreniere. I love Lafreniere. I'm a huge Lafreniere fan. I've seen the flashes. You know, that's what I look for. When I look at young guys, no matter what sport it is, especially when they're this young, you're looking for the flashes. You're not looking for the finished product. You're looking at potential. You're looking this, of things you can build on. I see that with Lafreniere. The problem is I'm not seeing as much of it as I'd like with Kaka. And I just I haven't since he was drafted. And it's not necessarily a concern to them personally. But with the way this team is, Gerard Gallant is kind of one of those coaches where he doesn't really care who you are. You have to earn your spot. He doesn't care if you have a big contract. He doesn't care if you're a top draft pick. You are earning your spot, which is the reason uh, Vital Kratzoff is in the minors right now. That That is a perfect reasoning for that. So I said at the beginning of the season, this, this season is going to be very predicated on the development of Lafreniere and Kako. So if you don't get those guys to step up, I don't know how far this team can really go outside of maybe first round exit. That's just, if you get better development from these guys, then the ceiling is limitless. But if they kind of stay at where they are now, 
I don't know how far this team goes. I mean, look, you're right. This isn't panic time like for their careers. But if we're talking about this year, I'm a little concerned. I was hoping for a better, a slightly better start from some of the young guys. I 100% agree. And I want to move on to someone. To we Let's talk about great starts. Let's talk about young goaltender Igor Shesterkin. Talk about a, a flash in the pan. This kid My is God. truly unbelievable. And now I, I remember when the Rangers drafted this this kid third uh, in the third round. Third round, yep. And he was still over in the KHL, and they were talking about this kid. Oh my God, this young goaltender! He's supposed to be unbelievable. Chess Yerkin, he's you know all the all the Russians loved him. I, I truly didn't get it. And then you look at his stats over in Russia. This guy set a Russian record for lowest goals against average in a single season. And it was like a 1.32 in a single season in, in, in Russia. And he comes over here. So in his first year with the Rangers, first 12 games, 10 and 2. Yep. So I, I remember when he first came here and played. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, you know, he may have struggled at certain points last season. And last season, let's just be honest, I, last season was kind of a, a wreck. I mean, yeah. for hockey, it was tough with COVID and everything else going on. And now that we're back. This kid has single-handedly stole games to the Rangers, probably the for the the most any goaltender's done for a team in terms absolutely. of carrying the load here. He is absolutely fantastic. I am so excited to see this kid compete and be our starting goal, you know, goaltender for the what I'm us Ranger fans get lucky with goaltending. Let me tell you something. Think of the uh, shoes we, he had to fill. Yeah, right. I mean, the smooth transition from Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shesterkin. And listen, we talked about Georgiev. He struggled to start the year this year, but there's flashes where that kid is also very good. Um, he's the backup, and he deserves to be the backup because let me tell you something, Igor is the guy. But let's not give up on Georgiev yet. He does make me upset sometimes, but um, I'm not going to completely trash him because he, I'll tell you what, he looked good too last season when Igor was not there. So, well, you know what, Gavin? I am going to trash Georgiev a little bit. Go ahead. You I'm go. I'm going to take that. You know, I'm not. I'm not yet. Georgiev to me is just just something about him. The guy seems like he plays, I don't know if soft is the right word, but it's just you don't see the aggression that you'd like to see out of a goalie when you look at the way he plays in a very kind of conservative way. He allows a lot of stuff that you'd think a better goalie would stop. The only issue I really have with Georgiev is I just I prefer a more seasoned vet as my backup. I would rather have someone like a I can't I can't think of somebody off the top of my head. But all I know is that the Rangers have Keith Kincaid sitting down the Myers right now and he's currently 10 and 1 with a 956 save percentage. So I'd, I'd rather Kincaid. I I don't know if if the Rangers are keeping tabs on him down there. Um, I'm sure they are, but if if they if management thinks a move should be made, they're going to make the move, and they clearly haven't determined that yet. So um, I get what, what you're think? saying. I get what you're saying. I mean, I would say if you're if your goaltender in the minors is ten and one, they're they're keeping tabs on him, Gap. But I mean, <laughs> what is what is bringing him up? really do like are you talking like more like a trade piece for maybe Georgiev and having this kid as your backup or using him as a trade piece because don't forget both Georgiev and Shesterskin uh, I can never pronounce the last name I'm gonna call him Igor both him and Igor are both I think 25 26 years old both solid goaltenders obviously Igor the clear-cut starter the the clear-cut number one no doubt about it but if you bring this kid up and you know what you're not going to carry three goalies on your team right so what what do you want to do if you bring up that guy like, You'd move what you guys, right? I, I, yeah, I, I would so move Georgiev. Georgiev. I just, I want a vet. So now, I, that, yeah, but now I'm that's saying just that's just me. I want a veteran backup. That's just right. Me. Now your backup's going to be how old is this kid? Probably 21, 22 years old. Oh, like, Kincaid? oh Kincaid's a veteran. No, he's, he's a been in the league for years. He's been the league. He's a journey. This is why yeah. I don't know anything about hockey. This is why you guys are here to keep me in check. <laughs> no, so no, that's not that's not an issue. That's there's nothing to worry about. That's you. That's just. I mean, I don't think most non. Hardcore hockey fans know who Keith Kincaid is. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair he, point. So he was on the Devils for a while. Yeah. Um, and now he's obviously with the Rangers, but he's a, he's the the minor league starter and he's been killing it. 
Um, he had flashes last year when he backed up Georgiev when Shesterkin was either hurt or not playing yet. He's not bad, but his, his, his stats down in the AHL cannot be ignored right now is what I'm saying. And Correct. for someone, Georgiev hasn't played well to start the year. I, I will say it just like Andrew. He has not played well. So it is worth looking at. I, I'm just saying. Now, and, uh, would you, Gav, would you more so no, want to just swap the two guys and bring Georgiev down, or would you want to move on from Georgiev and trade him? Because if you do want to do that, wouldn't now not really be the time to do that when he's not performing well? You wouldn't be able to get as much. That's 100% true. I, now, honest to God, honest to God, I personally right now do not care what they do involving Georgiev and Kincaid. I like to me, it doesn't make a difference. This team still has to go out there and play for the goaltender. Like, and you got Igor anyways, making 42 yes. saves a game. So yes. Right. Yeah. Oh against Florida, he made 42 saves. Like how about that? And, and by the way, I, I know Georgiev gave up six against Edmonton. He still Edmonton. had 40 saves. Yeah, I mean, he stopped, he still stopped 40, but I mean, Listen, it's that's Edmonton, though, like you said. Dude, but, that McDavid goal to win the game was I just I just my jaw just dropped Jip, 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 Rick. I, I just got over the nightmares of that. Please leave my head alone. Um, no, nah, he's just insane. Yeah, so, so wait, but um moving, before wait no, hold yeah, on. No, no, before ahead, we move ahead. to the Islanders, we can make this quick because I know you know we gotta move on. I just want to ask you guys a question. You know, as you know, not a super diehard Ranger fan, I've noticed that the Rangers have had a captain in like literally their entire career, except for like one year in the early 2000s. It's been almost three, four years now. It's longer, like, I think. I, I think McDonald was, like, like, was the last like, one. McDonald was 2017 one, yeah. or something like that. Like, what do you, like, they just signed Zabinijad and Fox for these big long-term contracts. Do you see one of those guys potentially being it? Or do you see them even potentially naming a captain by the end of this year or next year? It Here's appears to me. Uh, you want to go, go? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this first because this is what, I, th- I think is going to happen. It appears to me that the team is perfectly fine without having a captain. Um, that's been discussed multiple times in the locker room. And that's what the coaches said. The coach hasn't, ala- you know, elaborated on it too much. And I don't know, personally for me, if there's, if there's a captain who I'm naming today, I think it's Chris Kreider. Um, he's I been agree. the longest. I agree. I think he's the most veteran guy. He's in front of the net. He gets back on, on, on the back check, he does the important things. He hits. He he's just an all around leader. I see, like I know for the for the young guys, I know Lafreniere. I know a lot of the guys look up to him. Is what I see and what I've heard. Um, and I just think, if, for me, if they're named the captain, if they do, I think it should be Kreider. I think he deserves the right to do that. He's been a leader for since the time we've really had him. Yeah. All these years, you know cultivated as a ranger it would be cool to see him a cap i wouldn't mind it but yeah in other words i don't think the team is that affected by it i mean they're 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 off to a good start for in my opinion to start the year and the reason, I, I just i think it'll happen eventually rick i think it happens yeah, just, but i don't yeah. i don't know yet i, I the can't reason say i wanted to let me get my um, two cents in here rick, wait, before, wait, before abc hold on i just the reason i wanted to bring it up was only because just a little fun fact i heard it on boomer and geo is that I don't know how true this is, but they had um, Mark Messier in the other day. I think it was Tuesday. So yesterday morning, I believe. There has not been a team to win the Stanley Cup since, like, I think the 50s that did not have a captain. I don't know how true that is. I heard on Boomer and Geo, Mark Messier brought it in. I would assume it's true, but I have not been fact-checked by it. I just found that very interesting. Not that it's, like, a necessity, but almost to the point that it is considering no team has won a Stanley cup in about 70 years without a captain. It's just a weird kind of like coincidence, but a 70 year coincidence. It kind of is. And you know, there's always been a perception that the captain has to be like this generational guy on your team. Like it has to be the best guy. Look at the Kings. I mean, was Dustin Brown ever the best player on those Kings teams, but he was the captain for that, for that last stretch. I agree with Gavin. If there's going to be a captain, it should be Kreider. Um, I don't think we get one this year. I would say at the beginning of next year. I think um, mainly because Gallant is – this is his first year. I think he wants a full year with this roster before he names right. a captain. The only reason that it concerns me that they haven't given Kreider the C yet is because I think there's a potential future where they may look to move him because of his contract. They just signed Fox and Zibanejad with those big deals. 
with the way the cap situation is, unless we get a, a massive rise in the NHL salary cap, which Gavin, you've watched long enough, I don't see a massive salary cap increase happening nope. in this league. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at some point, either Kreider or Truba are probably going to have to go when these Mika and um, Fox. Fox contracts kick in and then when Shesterkin's bridge deal ends. One of those guys is going to have to go. So if there's going to be a captain, actually, I would ex- I want it to be Kreider, but I would expect it to be Mika. I would expect it to be Mika Zibanejad. All right, let's move to the Islanders. Yeah. Gavin, you want to start us off? Yeah, so uh, obviously we, we're talking New York Islanders now, and the Islanders off to a slower start than most would think. They're actually they're riding the ship now. They are, um, you know, a very slow start, an un-Islander-like start almost, if you want to say. This, Mainly their offense, right? Yeah, they have been so sluggish. Even defensively, you know, Barry Trotz has that system – it hasn't been. He hasn't been. It hasn't been terrific to start, to say the least. But still, we, we still look at this Islanders team. Um, it's largely the same. From you know, they lost actually a few weapons. They lost Jordan Eberle to the expansion draft. He's on the Kraken right, yeah. now. Um, that's a big piece actually, because I think he was a gr- great goal scorer. But they added veteran veteran guys. They added Zdeno Chara. Uh, Zach, from Zach the Capitals, Parisi. yep, from the Capitals last year, and then Zach Parisi from the Wild, um, and those are those are Lou Lamorello's boys. Oh, so yeah. he they're added a great vet, you know veteran presence there. They re-signed Sezikis in the offseason, who is their big uh, fourth line center. Not even big, but he plays like a big guy. I love Casey Sezikis. I lo- I wanted him to be a Ranger so bad um, in the offseason because I thought we we would have really loved a guy like that. Um, and for the Islanders, they are still five, three, and two on the year. As and much as we want to, still around. Yes, and Sorokin is, you know, the Shesterkin of the Islanders. He is, he is. supposed He's to fantastic. be a fantastic rushing goalie, and you know, I just can't figure it out because the Islanders actually have probably the best goal goaltending tandem in the league. With actually, Seattle's up there, and I think the. The Bruins have a decent goaltending duo. Um, but this this Islanders team is kind of hard to figure out right now. They're still a very good team. Um, defensively, offensively, they can do it. They can snap the puck around with Barzell, um, Bavillier, other guys like that. But um, they were actually beat by the Wild the other night, 5-2 in Minnesota. The Wild are a fantastic team. Started 8-3 and three so far out in the West. Um, and they, the Islanders play the Devils on Thursday. So that's a huge game for them in New Jersey at the Rock at the Prudential Center. Um, and the Devils, let me tell you something, the Devils are maybe a little bit better than people are letting on to. Um, and I think the Islanders better come to play because this is, a, this is a team that you don't want it to – the Devils beat the Panthers last night 7-3. to three. They hung seven goals up on Spencer Knight last night. So The, the Devils are I, a trap team, man. Yeah, they are a total trap team, total trap team. And man, I just think I, what do you, what do we think the Islanders are? I I think they're, I still think they're, uh, they're going to make, in my opinion, they make the playoffs. Um, I think they're, it's going to be one of those teams. They're such a gritty team. I love the way they play. Um, They throw the body around. They do the simple things good. I don't think they get try to get too uh, – they're not like the biggest finesse team or they don't have the most skill, but I, I love the way they play. And I'll tell you what, they're paying the butt to play against. The Rangers have, Absolutely. Been, have been struggling against the Islanders. They, that's why – ultimately, that's why the Rangers have a, a different profile is because of teams like the Islanders. Um, yeah, they were they were sick of getting pushed around. They were getting sick of getting tossed around last year by Boston, Philadelphia, and the Islanders. They, you know they've beefed up, and and, and this Islanders Wilson. team, yep, and this and this Islanders team, um, they're still like that. You know their fourth line has remained the same. And like I said, a few plug in players, and this is the same team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. What two years in a row against the Lightning? Correct. I mean, they, they could do it, guys. Let, they let could do bring- it. Let me bring my thought on the Islanders here. I'm a guy who had the Islanders winning the East this year. That, yes. that was, how confident, was, that? I, that, that was yeah. how confident I was in the Islanders. I had, I had Islanders Avalanche as my cut pick coming into this season. That's that's um, fair. That's completely fair. And I don't even want to talk about Colorado. Jesus. Still um, early. 
McKinnon's, I think, out again. Um, but with with the Islanders, you know, I I wouldn't worry too much. Um, teams that sometimes veteran teams start slow. It, it's a long season. I think it's way too early to push the panic button. Um, the main, the main, just the main worry is their offense. I, I just don't understand. They're like 29th in goals for. They're just not scoring enough. And you just – you have this good depth. You need it to start stepping up. You need contributions from your bottom six to just rally your roster. That, that's always the type of thing you need. You know, it sucks being a gritty team, but then you can't score goals. It's just not effective. Then you're just giving them opportunities for other teams. But they've shown that they they've shown that they can score though. At the same time, just watch them last year, last two years. Um, they have some oh, yeah. super. They have some. They have a star with Matt Barzell. That kid's fantastic. Barzell's and fantastic. Um, they I have hate other. Him, fantastic. Yeah, I know. They have other great players on that team. Anthony Bovillier is fantastic. Brock Nelson's fantastic. Josh Bailey. These guys, you know, they're not. They're not going to show up on ESPN every night. You know like a McDavid or a Crosby or an Ovechkin or, you know, not, they're not those star caliber guys, but they are guys that work as a cohesive unit and each night they bring it. And that's why the Islanders are, you know, in my mind, they're going to, they're going to be fine. They'll make the playoffs. They're going to finish within the top four of the Metro. Um, And the Rangers are going to be competing against them for a spot. I think those, and this is why, you know, for the Rangers too, this is why every single game is important with points. Yeah, and this obviously this is an obvious um, take. Well, well Gav, but, I've actually before you say that, Gav, I will, yeah. well actually, you know what? Go actually take your take. This is an obvious take, but you know, each night these teams, especially I, you know, for our you know, we're Ranger guys, but yeah, they have to bring it each night. Every point matters. This is going to come down to because the Met, yeah, yeah, this is going to come down to the wire. We need to start winning games. Um, That's my, that was my question though, that Gav, yeah. that I was going to take this on. Who's the odd team out in the Metro? That, that's my question. If you, if you had to look at it right now, who's the odd team out in the Metro? Odd team out in the Metro. Oh, man. I think that's because a pretty tough the question. Rangers, I think the Rangers it's... look solid. Carolina is one for sure. Carolina is one for sure. Carolina is in for sure. I'm going to be honest. I, I think trust, this is... I trust Washington. I think they'll I, make it in. I think that – I think this – I think Philly's out. I think it's going to be. No I know. No, no. I think. I. I think Philly's going to end up being out. I think that's Ooh. the odd. I, I will answer. I think the Flyers are the odd man team. You know, the odd team out here. Um, I, got a, I got a friend on a Flyers podcast who's going to be very upset when she hears this podcast just because you. I just. That. I know. I. I 100% get it, but I just don't. I don't think Philadelphia is good enough, and that, and that's what it is. I don't think they're good enough. Their goaltending isn't good enough. I don't think Carter Hart is very good. I don't care if he if he's really young. He was so bad last season. He was not good the year before. I, you know, the, that the goalie play was so bad that you know Flyer fans were questioning. Well, you know, are we gonna have to get a new guy? Was this not the yeah. one that was promised? I think the Flyers are the odd man team. The odd team out. I keep saying odd man out, but um, so who so who do you have in? You have Washington, Carolina, the Rangers, and then the Islanders. The Islanders, yeah. I think the Penguins missed too. I think the Penguins missed too. Yeah, I think, um, I think they're missing too many games with Crosby and Malkin. I don't think they have enough. I think their goaltending is too. subpar. Yep. I think they're those guys are getting older now. So I think the the goaltending subpar. I think Tristan Jari isn't great. I don't think Casey DeSmith is a good backup at all. I just think those are the four teams representing the Metro this year. Um, I think the Devils are, are building something that is going to be good. And I, think, I hate to say I think that the as still a like Rangers two years fan. Out. Yeah, but I think they're building something good. I think they're building something good. Um, Other than that, I think those are the four teams that are in this year. This might be Um, Washington's last shot, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think to wrap up – Gavin, you might got muted. (laughs) (laughs) And to wrap up hockey, I just want to say this upcoming schedules for each of the teams. So for the Rangers, they are taking on the Blue Jackets Saturday night, 7 o'clock on MSG. Um, oh in God. Columbus at Nationwide Arena, Columbus seven three to start the season. Yeah, uh, one of their th- one of their three regulation losses coming against the Rangers at MSG, a four nothing loss. Uh, Rangers, uh, they're gonna have to play. This is another game. Got to get up and play. And then Sunday, 
They are taking on the New Jersey Devils at Madison Square Garden for a little rivalry night. And that is a big game. Uh, we have So the Rangers are playing a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday, but the Devils are also playing a back-to-back the night before. I forget who they're playing, but they're also coming off a back-to-back. So both teams I'm just throwing this out coming. there. I want, I want you Sturkin versus the Devils. Oh, 100%. I, 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 don't, I don't care about – I want you Sturkin versus the Devils. 100%, 100% if, they're, if, the, the Devils, if this is the uh, way they're going to be doing it. The Devils got actually three games in four nights. They're um, they're home Thursday and Saturday against Islanders in Boston, and then they come. There down you go. Yeah, Sunday they have night. to play that tough Bruins team. Oh. So that, that's an absolute gauntlet to go through. That's rough. Yeah. So that's oh, for the Rangers, and then for the Islanders, they play the Devils this Thursday night, seven o'clock on MSG two. Uh, that will be a good game. I you know I'm definitely gonna be watching that, and uh, yeah. So that you know that pretty much wraps up hockey. So is it time? Do do we hop to the to the new segment? I say let's go. All I'm right, in. ladies and gentlemen, we are moving to our new segment. This is going to be a weekly occurrence. Boys, take it away. Okay. So for this segment of the show. We are going to be, it's called the Gambling Corner. Uh, Ricky and I are both big sports gamblers. AVC, I wish you could hop on because I think you would love this. Um, I'll, I'll get more into it. I got to just learn from you two first. Yeah, obviously. So, uh, so Ricky and I, starting today, are going to be doing uh, three picks a week. And, you know, if, I don't know if we're going to add any more of that. We don't want, you know, we're, this, the show isn't about gambling. So we're just going to be sticking to three picks. Keep, keep it light. Keep it fun. And, um Basically, we're going to have the three picks, and we're going to explain just a minute. That's it. Just a minute per pick. Just kind of a little bit of reasoning why we're, we're picking this team to cover or to do whatever. Um, and, yeah, no, that's our segment, the Gambling Corner. I'm very excited to start it. So, Ricky, I, let's, let's start it off, baby. Start right, it off. Why don't, we, why, don't we, uh, why don't we go back and forth one and one? Sounds good. Okay, sounds good. You, you right, so I'll, I'll go start ahead, it start. off, though. So, um, down in Tennessee – we got the Saints versus the Titans. Obviously, big injury news. Derrick Henry most likely out for the year. And the Titans get this news, and what do they do? They come out and they spank the Rams. All right? I am riding high on the Titans going into this week against the Saints. Who do the Saints have as quarterback? Is it Simeon? I mean, how are the Titans only a three-point favorite? Is Derrick Henry that valuable after they just beat the Rams? But, like, that defense is no slouch either. I, I think this is I, – I think the Titans should be a touchdown favorite here. I, I think it's – I think this is an easy one. But I say that as the Saints will most likely just dismantle the Titans. So uh, we're riding high on Titans minus three well, this know, Sunday. The Saints are the most inconsistent team in all of football. So they just, I, got, I just, uh, they just got embarrassed by Atlanta last week, so now they'll probably drop 40. <laughs> I just – yeah, I just found it a weird, a weird line. I don't think you can you – can, you know, obviously big loss with Derrick Henry, but, like, look what they just did to the Rams. And now the Titans are home playing Trevor Simeon at quarterback. I, I just I just can't see this being minus three. I Listen, I, I like the pick. Uh, personally, I, I would have probably taken that as well. I probably am going to end up taking that on Sunday when it comes time. I'm just, you know, obviously doing something a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. To start mine off, uh, Broncos minus two and a half at home versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I feel like this is a trap line, you know, because it's the Eagles and I don't know, their record, you know, you look at their record, oh, they're not, but keep in mind, the Eagles barely just, you know, they just barely lost the Los Angeles Chargers this past weekend at home, you know, and the Chargers are a pretty good team. They've kept, they've kept, you know, in games with different, you know, pretty good teams and, I think that's where the Broncos are are a little bit, you know, they're favored by only a couple of points here, two and a half. I mean, coming but off even, a big, big win against Dallas, though, too, you know? I mean, the Broncos yeah, are riding high. I feel – yeah, the Broncos are riding high. I just think I mean, this could uh, – a lot of people probably could think of this as a letdown spot, for, but for me, it is so hard to play at mile high um, in that stadium at on the road. It is so hard for me. To me, it seems a little unfathomable that the Eagles have the, you know, just just have the cojones to get it done in mile in Denver in at mile high. Um, I I'm riding Broncos here. The Broncos, you know, they opened my eyes up a little bit. 
with that resounding win in Dallas this past weekend, I'm going Broncos minus two and a half. Give me that. <laughs> so uh, for my, I'm so sorry, week. boys. I have to quickly interrupt this segment with some breaking news. The Yankees have made the biggest splash of the offseason by resigning Joey Rodriguez. I, I already <laughs> saw that. That's such a joke. But um, <laughs> so for my next pick. I'm going to my favorite place as a Jets fan. We're heading to Foxborough. I think Browns plus two. If you're not on this, then you're just just dumb, in my opinion. I mean, the Patriots, I think, are such a fake team. Obviously, I have such a hatred towards them. More so Tom Brady. But, like, now that Tom Brady's in Tampa, I, like, love Tampa Bay. Like, go Tampa Bay. Fuck them. But um, I'm just just not on the Patriots at all this year. I, I know they're five and four. But they're a one and four team at home, you know, two and three against the spread. But this is a team that, like, when you looked at Tom Brady when he was at home, you thought like you had zero chance when you were playing at Foxborough. And this is a very vulnerable team at home. I mean, they're one and four at home, dominant on the road, four and all on the road. Give it to them. But Browns are three and one on the road this year against the spread. I think plus two is just. I mean, the fact that they're not favored in this game, I think I'm I'm hitting the money line for the Browns too as well. So I'm taking Browns plus two on Sunday. Yeah, what's up for you? So for me, I went to California for this one. I went the Los Angeles Rams on the road as a road favorite in Santa Clara, San Francisco to face the 49ers. And um, I just can't help myself here. I really, I really don't think the 49ers are that great. Um, they're supposed to be something a little bit more – uh, they're supposed to have a little bit more oomph in them this year. Um, and I, I'm just not seeing it. I think the Rams are going to – I don't think the Rams are going to – I think this won't be close. I think the Rams beat, the, beat up on them. So the Niners just lo- – <laughs> well, this is the funny part. The Niners just lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals. And normally you wouldn't be laughing. Listen, they're the only undefeated team in the league. Colt McCoy was the starting quarterback this weekend for the Arizona Cardinals. And – he put up 31 points you with no Kyle Hopkins. Was quarterbacking. With no Hopkins, they put up 31 points. No Murray, no Hopkins, 31 points. James Conner, three touchdowns. But I, I, mean, to, I just want to note the Cardinals did lose uh, the week before to the Packers, though. So they are 8-1. Oh, 8-1, my bad. There you go. But still one of the most you, dominant teams in the league this year. Yes, yes, I totally forgot about the Packers' loss. Oh, my God, in the back of the end zone. But – um. Point being, point being, the Cardinals, without their star quarterback, without their star wide receiver, still marching to San Francisco, beat up on the, the Niners. Game was never, ever close. Um, I think the Rams, with that oh, that unbelievable defense now with Von Miller, I don't know if Von Miller's going to be playing, but with, be, the, I would think. With, with the addition of Von Miller, you already have Aaron Donald, you already have Jalen Ramsey, you already have a bunch of these studs. Um, Leonard Floyd, some other guys like that. And then the offense with your boy, Rick, Cooper Cup, uh, mm-hmm. Matthew Number Stafford, and fantasy football. Yep, damn right. And I just think the Rams are going to beat up on the 49ers this weekend on the road. I think I think the Rams are going to do it. So Rams minus four against the Niners. Book that. I like it. I might be booking it with you as well. So uh, for my last pick here, we're staying in, staying in California here. So I found something a little odd, right? The Chargers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Vikings this week. And in the previous four home games, all four of their home games this year, actually the line moved to minus three, so it's not two-and-a-half. The Chargers have been at least a two-and-a-half to a three-and-a-half-point favorite in every home game this year. I just found that a very odd trend. They're, you know, two-and-two outright, two-and-two against the spread at home. No, Not much trends here going on or whatnot. I just, I just don't like the Vikings. I think, I think this pick is more so – not that I like the Chargers so much, but I think it's more so I don't like the Vikings, if that, if that makes sense here. I just – I think the Chargers are due um, for, like, a breakout game. You know, they've, they've, they're coming off two really, really close games, you know, a 27-24 victory, a 27-24 loss against a not-so-great Eagles team and, I, and a Patriots team that I don't know why they're 5-4. and four. I don't think the Patriots are good and great defense, but – I hate the Patriots. You're gonna you're gonna hear that a lot throughout this podcast. It is what it is. But I just I just think Herbert's due for a big game. Um, I feel like Mike Williams hasn't really been, 
you know, as big as he was to garbage. start off this season. Yeah, he he was this big, big, flashy guy, and I haven't seen him much. I I think I think this is going to be his game, and I'm I'm taking Chargers minus three all day here. I I like the pick too. Um, Minnesota the drama with Minnesota recently. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean Dalvin Cook, what's going on with him? You know, we like, yeah we that's a topic stuff. for that is another a rabbit hole day. for another day. Oh my god! Yeah, but. With that, with that being said, I yeah, I I think that's a good pick to look at that way, and and let me tell you something, the Vikings, they, I don't know what it is with them. They every Zimmer. week, every Mike week Zimmer. it comes down to the wire, and they somehow find a way to lose, and I don't understand. It's they Zimmer. always make it close, and that's why Rick. That's ultimately why the spread's that close because they're anticipating mm. the Vikings to pull 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 off another thing where they go up late and then that defense can't right. hold. It'll, it's it'll a, probably just be a Chargers field goal to win the game and I'll get a push out of it, or I'll buy the half a point to two and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's literally why the line is like that. Um, I hope that I think the Charger. I think to try agree with you. I think the Chargers are gonna do pretty well against the Vikings, in my opinion. But I I could see why the line is like that. But yeah, the, the Vikings are a mystery to me. And to close out our first week's gambling corner, my last pick of the week, I have the Raiders plus two and a half versus the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Also, it keeps reminding me that first Monday night game when the Raiders beat the Ravens at home. That was such an electric game. Also, I just think the Chiefs, this is an obvious point. I think the Chiefs, something's up with the Chiefs. They beat Green Bay. I mean, they beat Green Bay by six points with Jordan Love as the quarterback, and Jordan Love looked bad. So, and, and Mahomes threw for 166 yards last week. That's yeah, it. Mahomes, Mahomes has just not looked like Patrick Mahomes these past, I don't even know what, four or five weeks. Yeah. He, he, he's Patrick not a Mahomes threat. right now looks he, like Patrick Mahomes right now looks like the dude that I had ranked third or fourth in my quarterback rankings when he came out of college. He looks like the turnover chef from Texas Tech. He does. He really it's does. Concerning. I think it's very concerning for this Chiefs team. And that's ultimately why I'm, I'm going with Raiders plus two and a half. I'm taking the points at home in Vegas. The Raiders are not a bad team. I, I think the Sean Jackson being signed, I think that's gonna be I think that's gonna you know pay dividends there. I think he's a perfect fit there for that kind of uh, scheme they have. Um I think he will fill in nicely for you know the the whole left by you know Henry Ruggs and, and the accent and everything like that. I think he will, you know, Deshaun Jackson's gonna fill in that spot of that quick receiver who can, you know, break off for, you know, a decent amount of yards on a play or two or whatever. And I, and I think Derek Carr has been fantastic so far this season. I really do. He's, he's thrown the ball very well, a lot better than he has in previous years. I don't think the defense is that terrible either. So I think the Raiders definitely can hang with the chiefs or I I'm predicting this. I think the Raiders beat them outright um, and keep their, their division lead over, over Kansas city. Kansas City, something's up with them this year. Mahomes isn't the same player. A lot of these guys aren't the same players. I don't know what it is, but I think the Raiders are definitely going to exploit it, um, and and they're going to grab a win this week versus Kansas City in, in Vegas. So that that wraps up our gambling corner for the week. Thank you very much. All right, and I think uh, before we sign off here, I think Ricky has one more piece of information that he's been dying to share all podcasts. So, Ricky, I'm going to give it to you here for the last minute. So uh, I just have something to play for you boys just before we sign off here. <laughs> That's right, boys. Mike White is back. Oh, and he will be starting for your New York Jets this Sunday. And he will yes. be taking down the 12-point yeah. favorite Buffalo Bills. I think, I think it's going to be it's a possible. It's definitely it's possible. Whoa, time out, time out, time out. Buffalo was a 12-point favorite. It was 13. 12? It opened up at 13. Oh, so is it 12? Oh, okay. Not Buffalo. We're not in Buffalo either. It's in so New I'm, York. I'm, yeah. How yeah. Does, well, well either way, it would be in New it's York. In it's actually not in New York. Yeah, technically. In Jersey. A point there. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think we're going to win the game. Defense has given up 40 points a game these past three weeks. But 
a surprising over, Gav? 47 Maybe. and a half. 47 That's and kind a half. Of... When do the Jets get that? I mean, the Jets are usually, a, you know, a 40 to 44 type team, but offense is rolling, defense ain't rolling. I could see this game being – I would love a shootout. I mean, the Bills are coming off an awful – Awful performance. I think Josh Allen's going to be hungry. Stephon Diggs is going to get 150 yards, no doubt. I think it's going to be a big game. But um, even if we lose, I think it's going to be so interesting if, like, if Mike White goes off again. Not off, but if he just makes it a competitive game. <laughs> if it's just, like, a fun game, you know, it really begs the question, like, what to do. You know, benching Zach Wilson isn't the worst thing in the world. I think, you know, it would have been better for him to sit out. A lot of people are going to probably look at it negatively, like, oh, my God, he got benched after five bad games. But it also could just be looked up. It should be a development thing. You know, maybe he shouldn't be starting. But, you know, only time will tell. I really you know I really do Let's... want to know, though, if uh, if Zach Wilson's actually healthy. And this is more so just solid kind of brushing under the table and saying, you know what, hmm. Mike, will, uh, Mike White's got another week. I, I, I personally think that's what it is. I don't think they're in any need to rush Wilson. And I think this is them saying, you know what, Mike White's done nothing bad yet. Let's let's give him another go on Sunday. Let's hope we can come back on Sunday and celebrate another Mike White dub. I, for sure. I'm, I'm, for sure. I'm here for it. I'm all in on it. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the GCS podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. We appreciate it very much. Thank you all very much for listening to this edition of the Grand Central Podcast. We will be back hopefully Sunday recapping this week of football and maybe more stay tuned and this is gcs signing off